remain standing, grab your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 22 this morning. We're going to do a little Clover's baby dedication at the end of the service this morning, so I'm going to go ahead and get right into the preaching. Proverbs chapter 22 this morning, very familiar passage of Scripture, and uh, as I was praying about the services uh, on yesterday, uh, Lord just kind of put several thoughts on my heart, and uh, so you you uh, give us an ear, and more importantly, give the give the word of God an ear, and uh, may God help us today from His word. Now, the verse I'm going to read is Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number six, and immediately you might say, "Well, preacher, uh, I, my children are grown, or I'm not a parent." Or I'm a young person, so this does not apply to me. Uh, but everything that I'm going to preach today is going to apply to you in, in one fashion or another. And so uh, even if your children are grown, uh, you still need to give heed to what we're going to preach about today. Proverbs chapter number 22, and uh, we'll begin reading uh, in verse number 6 this morning. We'll read but one verse, and then we'll pray. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the truth of it and for the inspiration, the preservation, and the power of it. Thank you, Lord, that you've laid this particular verse of Scripture on my heart, Lord, to share with our people today and challenges as believers and as parents, God, of our responsibility we have. Thank you for our blessings you've given us. I pray, Lord, you, the word of God would have free course to this in our hearts today. And most of all, may Jesus Christ be glorified and magnified in all things in Jesus name amen thank you for standing you may be seated Proverbs chapter 22 verse number 6 is a very familiar verse of scripture especially when it comes uh, to parenting and raising children there are four things I want you to see in verse number 6 by way of introduction first of all there is a word about instruction in this verse he says train up the word train there if you look it up in a Webster's dictionary it means it means to educate. It means to teach. It means to form by instruction or practice or to bring up. Paul will say in Ephesians chapter number 6 and ye, verse number 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That word nurture, it means that what promotes growth or their education and their instruction. The word admonition means exhortation. If you look up the word exhortation, it gives the same idea of calling one aside to give instruction. Not just what I say, but how I live. We have a lot of parents and a lot of people today that have the do as I say and not as I do mentality. But that does not work when it comes to raising children. And so there is instruction in verse number 6. But then there is an individual in verse number 6. He says, train up a child. In other words, you've got to take each child on their individual basis to raise them. Hillary Clinton said it takes a village to raise a child. No, it don't. It takes a mom and a dad and a Bible and a church to raise a child. Amen. You don't need a village. You just need a church, a Bible. And my daddy said a belt. And I say I didn't like the belt when I was a kid, but now I'm a dad. I'm like, okay, go with it. All right. But what I'm saying is you, uh, God has always put emphasis on the individual. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. If somebody's going to get saved, they're going to have to individually come to God the way they are to be saved. And we ought to, if you have multiple children, you ought to look at them individually as a soul and as a life that God has given to you to instruct them and to train them up for the glory of God. And so there's instruction in this verse. There's an individual in this verse. But then there's an identification in this verse. Watch what he says. Train up a child and they weigh that he should go. Now if you look up that word way, it means direction. It means manner or a habit or a direction of life. This would indicate to me when it says the way that he should go, it would automatically indicate to me that there is a way that he should not go. There's a, the Bible said that foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. And so it's, it's in the child by nature. And so the job of a mom and dad is to direct that child and to train that child up in the proper way and the proper manner. The word way in this text does not only mean a direction, but it means a manner of life. It means the way you live your life, the way you ought to conduct yourself as a person. I'm going to tell you the reason we have all the problems that we do in this country today is because there's not been a break. And I'm not talking about there's been a breakdown at the Capitol or a breakdown at the White House. But I'm going to tell you where the breakdown has been. It's been down at our house. Amen. We've not been raising our children. I'm talking about as a whole, as a nation. We've raised children that they used to have respect. There were generations uh, that had respect for the things of God, had respect for the country. And by the way, good riddance to the WNBA player that got nine years in Russia. She don't have to stand for the anthem over there. Can I get amen out of that. I'm just telling you though there was a time in this country that never would have happened there never been, would have been such blatant disrespect for our nation and I'm going to tell you where that happened it, it didn't happen at the college institutes it didn't happen up there at the capitol it happened at home when mom and dad did not do their job to raise their I feel like preaching to raise their children and to train their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord I'm telling this morning we have a job we have a responsibility to point out to our children that there is a wrong way and there is a right way I tell you this morning you know what we have to do as parents we got to identify that wrong way we say we don't go there and we don't do that and we don't watch that and we don't listen to that and we don't wear that and we don't say that and we don't vote for that amen there's got to be a direction the way we don't go but then we ought to say here's what we do here's where we go here's Who's how we dress? Who's how we live? Trump is who we vote for. How'd that get in there? Amen. I'm just saying we ought to raise them in the right way. Amen. So there is an instruction in this verse. Train up. There's an individual in this verse. A child. There's an identification in this verse in the way that he should go. But there's independence in this verse. Watch what the Bible says. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, can I just be honest with you this morning? I have wrestled with that verse. I've been wrestling with it pretty bad. I do not believe, and I've got friends of mine that differ from me, and, and we'll just have respect for disagree. But I don't, I heard a man, I listened to a man preach last night, and I love him, but I, I, just, I just don't see what he's saying. Uh, thank God his children's turned out right. But he said, he, he preaches that verse literally, that if you raise your kids right when they're old, they will not depart from it. The only problem I have with that is Adam and Eve. Because Adam was the son of God. Pretty good parent. 
Brother McBride done so wonderfully back in June preaching that message uh, about the first prodigals. But I'm, because if we, and, I, and I'm not attacking my friend, but if we, if we take that verse to say that, what we do is we take away the free will of man. And we're not Calvinists, and we're not Reformed, amen. I'm telling you, man has a free will. Adam and Eve, the reason they sin is because they chose to. So the reality of that is you can raise your kids right. You can train them right. But there's going to be a day of independence in their life. And by the way, that's not when they turn 16. Amen. That's not when they turn 18. I don't care what. I preached this at a youth meeting back in June. You know, you're not an adult at 18. You're not an adult at 20 years old. You're not an adult until you have your own house, paying your own bills, paying your own way. That's, that's when you become an adult. I, I, amen. That's exactly right. Amen. I know you may be able to vote, and that's how we got you to leave that alone, but I'm just telling you this morning. How, why am I so political this morning? I'm just telling you. We have a lot of parents say, well, they turned 12, and I can't do nothing about it. My dad didn't believe that. I was telling a preacher yesterday on the phone. I was 18 years old and, and was preaching and, and was uh, you know doing living right for the Lord, and I left the church function one night early during cleanup time, and when I got back, my daddy confiscated my cell phone I'm 18 years old I got preachers calling me wanting meetings and they's getting my voicemail having to call my dad is that not embarrassing Josh can't answer the phone because he disobeyed me but he'd be glad to come preach for you I don't know how good of a Christian he is but he'd be glad to come preach for you hey and you know why he done that I was 18 years old I voted for Mitt Romney boy that was a wasted vote I I was all that stuff had my own job I was paying for that phone but I still lived in my daddy's house I still eating at his table. He had every right to do that. Amen. I did not become an adult until September the seventh, two thousand twelve, when I got married and moved out. And my wife says she still don't think I've grown up. But we've got we've got parents who think, well, they're sixteen. I can't do nothing about it. I'll tell you, if they still live in your home, if they're sleeping in your bed and eating your food and you're putting clothes on their body, you are responsible for them to train them up. But there is a day of independence coming when they will walk out that door on their own. And the, and when that happens, you can't help what they do. You can let them know that you don't approve of what they're doing. You can let them know, hey, I love you, and there's always going to be a pillow and a plate here for you, but I don't approve of the way you're going. That ain't how I raised you to be. That's not what we taught you to be. Amen. And I wrote this down. The Lord gave me this last night. My children have a choice, but I have a command. My command is to train them up in the way they should go. But their choice is when they're old. Here's what I believe that verse is saying. I don't believe it's saying that they'll never depart. I believe it's saying the way will never depart. Not that they'll never... I understand. Look, if you look at the wording, the theme, trample child in the way, that's the subject. He should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. What is the it? The way. In other words, he may leave the way, but that way will never leave him. Miss Stephanie testified, and I believe it was on Wednesday night, how she was raised right and got out in the world. And I'm not saying that in embarrassment. She testified how the Lord brought her back. And that is a living example of the way bringing her back. So here's my thought this morning. I can't do nothing about the second half of the verse. But I can do something about the first half. Brother Richie, ours are little. 
We can't do nothing about the second half of Proverbs 22, verse 6. But I tell you what we can do. We can do something about the first half. Train up a child in the way that he should go. So God is blessing. Now let me just lay some ground where God is blessed with children, as I said a moment ago, that we might raise them up for the glory of God. I thought about Genesis chapter 18, verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth be blessed in him. For I, Here's what God said about Abraham. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. i got a question for you. Did all Abraham's kids turn out right? Ishmael didn't. But it wasn't because Abraham didn't train him. It wasn't because Abraham didn't teach him. I thought about this. Ephesians 6, 4 says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Proverbs 26, if you look up that word train, one of the definitions I read a moment ago is to bring up. Brother Richie, I want you to bring Uriah up here. Now, did you notice what just happened? Uriah came, but Daddy came. You know what we got a lot of parents want to do? They want to send their children in the way they should go. But they don't want to bring them. You see, we got a lot of parents and a lot of people do as I say, but their life is total opposite. But the biblical command, brother, the biblical command God's given you and I is to bring these children. To bring somebody means you've got to take hold of them and bring them. Thank you for, for your help. To bring them up. God don't want you to send your children in the way. Are you, are you listening to me? He wants you to bring them, to train them. We've got a lot of parents that send their kids to church, send their kids to camp. Send their kids to Sunday school. Send their kids. And they may be here physically, Brother Tony, spiritually, a million miles away. They are not obeying the command in the Word of God to bring up our children. There are many, many valuable things that our children need to be taught and trained at an early age. And I, I want to take, I don't know, just a few services and emphasize some of these. This is going to be extremely topical, but the Lord spoke to my heart yesterday while I was on the lawnmower of all places about the importance we have of these children around here. And we have a job. This ain't a suggestion in this text. My children have a choice, but I have a command to train them up in the way they should go, to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The first thing that I want to emphasize this morning, and this will be all I'll get to, I believe we need to train up our children in the way of salvation. We ought to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord concerning their salvation. Our children need to be saved. I need a little more help. Our children need to be saved. But our parents need to be saved. I tell you, it's not enough that, thank God, if your children get saved. But how would, would eternity be like if the children got saved, but mom and dad never got saved, and their family circle was unbroken in heaven? 
I thought about this verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3. You can turn if you'd like. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 14. Paul tells the young preacher, But continue in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child... Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Watch what Paul said. Which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. Paul said, Timothy, I understand the context. He's encouraging me in the last days. But he said, Timothy, that faith that was brought in your heart as a child, those Scriptures that made you wise unto salvation. I want to emphasize the fact that Timothy got saved as a child. Timothy trusted Christ as a child. Amen. I'm telling you, I'm glad, I believe children can get saved. Amen. So I don't believe that. Well, no matter if you believe it or not, to me, I got saved when I was five years old. Amen. I'm going to say I believe God can save a child, not because they repeated a prayer, not because they joined the church, but because they came to Jesus in a sincere heart. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come to me and forbid them not from such is the kingdom of heaven. If we don't come with that child, Childlike faith, you'll never get born again. But just as much as I believe a child needs to get saved, I believe mom and daddy ought to be saved. I believe the family circle ought to be unbroken in heaven. I'll tell you what will make heaven wonderful is when mama's there and daddy's there and the children are there and the family circle is there. I believe we ought to train them up in the way of salvation. Five things quickly. Number one. I thought about the need for salvation. You know what Paul said about Timothy? He said, it's able to make me wise in the salvation. Paul told Timothy, he said, that faith that's in me, Paul said, I saw it in your mama, and I saw it in your grandmama. Timothy's daddy's not in the picture. We don't know where he's at. But you know where the young preacher who eventually pastored the Apostle John at the church of Ephesus, you know where that young preacher got his start from the home. Mama and grandma uh, in, in, uh, investing in his life and showing him faith. You know what they did? They showed him his need for salvation. It's going to be so simple, it's pitiful, but God told me to preach on it. I tell you, you need to be saved this morning. You need to be saved, first of all, because man is a sinner. The Bible said there is none righteous, no, not one. It don't matter how much money you have in your pocket or how much money you don't have in your pocket. You was born a sinner, lost without God, on your way to hell. You are a sinner, the Bible said. Wherefore, as by one man's sin, enter the world and death by sin. And so death is passed upon all men for all have sinned. The Bible said in Psalm 58 verse 3, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. I'll give you this before, but years ago, in 1926, almost 100 years ago, the Minnesota Crime Commission done a research and they come to this conclusion. They said every baby, quote, every baby, every baby starts his life as a little savage. He is completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants, whether it's his bottle, his mother's affection, his playmate's toys, his uncle's watch, or whatever it might be. You deny him these things, and he seethes with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous if he wasn't so helpless. He is dirty. He has no morals, no knowledge, no developed skills. This means that all children, not just certain children, but all children are born delinquent. And if permitted to continue in their self-centered world of empathy, 
given to their free impulsive actions to satisfy each want, every child would be growing up a criminal, a thief, a killer, and a rapist. That ain't a preacher that done that report. It was the Minnesota Crime Commission in 1926. You get a whole 1926 said that. I tell you the truth, this morning those little babies right here are precious. But you get on their wrong side. If they could, they'd rip your throat out. Somebody say amen. You know why? They are born sinners. Man is a sinner. Man is separated. Because of your sin, you're separated from God. Isaiah 59 said that your sins and iniquities have separated you and your God. Because man's a sinner and man is sentenced. Man is separated, man is sentenced because the Bible said for the wages of sin is death. Well, not my little one. Yes, your little one. You do, and we don't like to think about this, but you realize if your children don't get saved, they're going to die and go to hell. So I said, preacher, that's pretty plain. Well, it's pretty true. And we better take that responsibility with, with all the importance of it. That's why church is so important. That's why the Bible, that's why we're not canceling services. That's why we're not changing Bibles. Why? Because we got too many babies around here that need to hear the gospel, that need to be saved, that need to know God. But we need some parents that know God. Hey, I'm telling you, just because you go to this church, just because you enjoy the preaching, just because you like the singing, don't mean you're born again. You have to be. Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, Marvel not that I say to thee, ye must be born again. So there is the need for salvation. Secondly, there's the name of salvation. In our text, he said it's through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Thank God for that lovely name this morning. The lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Peter said in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, Neither is there salvation any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now you don't get saved by claiming the name of Jesus or by speaking the name of Jesus. Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You get saved by believing the gospel. What is the gospel? It is the death. It is the burial. It is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't believe that Jesus died and he rose again, then you will not be saved because you have the spirit of Antichrist according to 1 John chapter 4 because you deny that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, has come in the flesh. But I'm telling you this morning, if you realize you're lost without God, you're a sinner. You're separated and you're sinners. I got good news for you this morning. I know the man. I know the Savior. I know the God. I know the grace. I know the gospel and his name's not Muhammad and his name's not Buddha and his name's not Confucius and his name's not the Pope and his name's not the Catholic Church or anything like that but his name is Jesus the Savior of the world John said behold anybody listen to me John said behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world I tell you this morning I'm glad I can tell my babies this you're a sinner yes you're lost without God but there is Jesus there is a Savior. There is an answer. There is a way. There is a truth. There is a life. Thank God it's not joining the church. It's not being baptized. It's not any of those things. But it's trusting Jesus Christ. 
It's a high name in Philippians 2. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. I tell you this morning, you ought to thank God if your kids know who Jesus is this morning. I tell you, there's countless millions that's never heard the name of Jesus. But aren't you glad that you know who he is and that your children know who he is? It's a high name. It's a holy name. It's not like anybody else's name. His name is to be reverenced. His name is to be respected. His name is to be honored. His name is to be glorified. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt what? His name together. It's a high name. It's a holy name. It's an honored name. Philippians 2 said every knee's going to bow. And every tongue's going to confess to what? To that name. That Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm telling you this morning, I want to thank God that I'm raising my kids, not, not just in a church that I happen to pastor, but I'm glad I'm raising my children. And I'm glad I get to take my children to churches when I go preach meetings. That They're not confused about what salvation is. They're not confused about the gospel. But they know there's only one way. And there's only one truth. And there's only one life. And that is in Jesus Christ there is the need for salvation the name of salvation there's the newness in salvation here's what Paul said 2 Corinthians 5 17 therefore if any man we can say woman boy or girl if any man be in Christ he is a new creature old things are passed away behold most things no if you got one of them funny Bibles it might say that behold all things or become new. I tell you, when you get saved, there's a newness in your life. There'll be a change, amen. I'm not saying the change will be from Sunday morning to Sunday night, but I believe it ought to be Sunday to my Sunday. Somebody say amen. I believe every week there ought to be a growth, and you ought to be growing in grace. As Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, we ought to be growing in the grace and, and in the Lord. And I'm telling you this morning, mom and dad, why should we expect our children to want to get saved? If we claim to be saved... And there ain't no change in our life. Why would they want anything to do with it? Why would they want hypocrisy at home? Hello? Are you saved, sir? Ma'am, are you saved? Or did you just repeat a prayer and go through the motion to get somebody off your back? I tell you, your children ain't worth a false profession. Your soul ain't worth a false profession. I tell you, though, there are many children today, and they won't have this excuse at the, at the great white throne judgment. There are many children today, though, that will stand before God and be cast in a lake of fire, and the reason they wouldn't get saved, yes, because they chose not to, but they saw hypocrisy in mom and dad. They didn't see any reality of spirituality at home, and they didn't want to have anything to do with that. That ain't going to hold a candle at the great white throne judgment, but I'd hate to know that because I was a hypocrite that I damned my children to hell. Yeah. Yeah. Hey Amen. I'll be some reality. Well, I'm not a perfect parent. I didn't say a perfect parent. I all make mistakes. There are no perfect parents except God the Father. We understand that. But I tell you, there ought to be a reality. They ought to know that you're saved. You ever told your children when you got saved? I'm glad I can tell my daddy's testimony because I've heard him tell it enough. June the 29th, 1979, as an 11-year-old boy at the right side of the auditorium, the right side of the pulpit of the auditorium in a little Sunday school room, my daddy knelt down next to a printing press and got born again at Vacation Bible School. I'm glad I know about that. Amen. You ever told your children how you got saved? 
We ought to. If we're going to train them up. If we're going to bring them up. A preacher, they're little. You see all these, and I'm not making fun. If you've if, if you done this when you're expecting ladies, that's fine. But you see these ladies reading books to their belly? They're in water. <laughs> they can't hear you. <laughs> it's funny how the doctors say, the baby can hear you. How do they know what baby can Yeah, I heard every word you said. <laughs> that's supposed to be funny. But these mamas, they play Beethoven and whatever, all that kind of music and all that soothing and whatever. Help, I mean, if you want to see, help yourself. But I'm too, they're too little. When they're, when they're born and they're walking, they're too little to me to tell how I got saved. Well, they weren't too little for you to play Beethoven, whatever that is, or read, read what is it, uh, the three bears or whatever. Come on now, talk to me. Oh, old Tyler told me that when Clover was born, that they played the live stream, and she perked up. She recognized my voice. I don't know, but praise God if she did. But I'm just telling you this morning, you ought to, you ought to make sure your kids know, they're saved, know you're saved. You're to bring them up. Not send them, bring them. When that salvation is a new life, there's, new, there's so many things. There's new life, a new Lord, new love. You don't still love the same things you did before when you lost, do you? Amen. That'll be a newness. That'll be a reality to your salvation. So I said, you're trying to preach doubt. No, I'm not. I'm preaching clarity this morning. I'm just giving what the Bible says. The Bible said if you're in Christ, you are a new creature. Old things are going to pass away. Are you still going to struggle with the flesh? Yes. Romans 6, 7, and 8 talks about that. But I'm telling you, you can have victory. I heard Dr. James Jones make a statement this morning. He said, victory is not not doing those things you don't want to do, not, not doing those things you used to do, but victory is when you don't want to do those things anymore. May God help us. There's the need for salvation, the name of salvation, the newness in salvation, but sadly, there's the neglect of salvation. There are many people, they neglect the free gift of salvation. I thought about, I can mention many people, but quickly. My time's almost gone. I thought about two people. You know these folks. Felix in Acts chapter 24. Paul stood before him. Gave his testimony. Gave the gospel. Here's what Felix said. Acts 24, 24. After certain days when Felix came with his wife, Ursula, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled like some of you are this morning and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Felix delayed salvation. As far as we know, Felix never, that convenient season never came in Felix's life. You might be here this morning, well, I'll get saved next Sunday. Or I'll get saved another time. I tell you, if you realize you're a sinner, you realize that, that, you're, that you're lost without God, I tell you, you need to get saved, amen? Don't delay. And then Agrippa in Acts 27, he denied salvation. He looked at Paul. And Paul said, Believest thou the prophets, King Agrippa? And Paul said, I know thou believest. And Agrippa said, Almost. Thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Wouldn't it be awful to sit in a service like this and hear what I feel like is a clear presentation of the gospel and still die and go to hell without God because you delayed or because you denied? What's holding you back from getting saved this morning? What will people think? What will people say? That's your problem. You're more concerned with what people think than what God knows. And I know this church, 
Amen. You come down here and get saved this morning, they're going to rejoice with you. They're going to be happy. If anybody has a, has a crude remark or a smart remark, we'll just kick them out. Somebody say amen right there. That's exactly right. I'm just telling you, though, this morning that salvation is the greatest gift, but you cannot be the parent you need to be if you're not saved. That's, that's down the brass tacks, as they say. Getting down where the rubber meets the road, you will not be the daddy you need to be. You will not be the mama you need to be if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's the need for salvation, the name of salvation, the newness of salvation, the neglect of salvation, but I call this the now of salvation. Here's what Paul said. He said, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Preacher, why should I get saved today? Two reasons. Number one, the truth has been spoken. I know I've not preached everything this morning, but I believe I've given a pretty clear presentation of the gospel. Truth's been spoken. The second reason you ought to get saved is because time is short. I tell you, Jesus could come back at any moment. We believe that. The rapture would take place. And God forbid, but you'd go out into eternity today. And wouldn't it be awful to die without God? Wouldn't it be awful to go through the motions and not have a relationship? I tell you this morning, I want, my, I want my boys to be saved. I want my little girl to be saved. You ought to pray that. When you put them in bed at night, pray so they can hear it. Lord, save my kids. Work, do a work in their heart. I pray that God save my kids and God give them assurance. Don't let them struggle with it. I know a lot of church kids do that. And Lord, don't let my kids struggle with that. God give them assurance. I pray that. I want them to hear that. Amen. But at the same time, wouldn't I be a hypocrite to pray and I'm not even saved? You know what that's doing? That's sending your kids. Wouldn't it be awful to send your kids to heaven and not bring them? The Bible didn't say to send them up in the nurture. It said bring them up. Just as Brother Richie brought Uriah to the platform. That is the word picture of what we're to do as parents. And I believe the first, the first step in us being the kind of parents we need to be. I'm going to tell you this morning. Some, some, I know some parents, they have one kid and they got it all figured out. All right, you look at one, it's got three and I still don't know what I'm doing. And by the way, that, that crowd that has one, they, they ain't got it figured out. They don't know what they're doing either. Amen. I don't care how many Facebook posts they put, all right? They don't know what they're doing. Don't know parents. You know when you figure out how to raise kids? When you got great grandkids. Amen. But here's what we can do. We can do what we know the Bible says to do. Train them up. Bring them up. Well, what about that second half? I ain't fooling with the second half this morning. I'm worrying about the first half of the verse. Are we doing our part? To train them up, to bring them up. And the first way we ought to do is the way of salvation. Let's stand together. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I appreciate your attention. Miss Linda's coming to the piano. She's going to play a verse of invitation, whatever God's will on her heart.